0: Today on Stick to Football, we are breaking down the early declarations. We are breaking down the Senior Bowl Top 250 list. Oh, and we're breaking down the AFC East as our divisional previews continue. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Friday morning. I totally forgot what day of the week it was, and I was texting our good buddy Jim Nagy about something and was like, oh, no, no worries. We'll talk about it on the Friday show. And he was like, that's tomorrow. So that's how my week's going. It feels like Monday feels like monday on a thursday i think you. it's because our kids went back to school today okay yeah so it's well, it's monday
1: and as we've talked about before like i'm no longer teaching this has been such a stress-free week for me that is usually just like <laughs> hell week for me like parent teacher conference week first week of school absolute shit don't care anymore fellas thanks for letting me be a part of this thing <laughs> yeah you're welcome <laughs>
2: I was gonna say, no setting up the classroom, right? <laughs> no, you know, maybe running out the door and and you know being gone for a while. God, it's gotta feel good. It's it's gotta feel real good, especially. I mean, during these hard times, it's um, you know, it's gonna be different going back to school this year. It really is.
0: Yeah, and uh, so we have two first graders and a kindergartner between the two of us, Mello and, and a I, second grader. And to say, se- oh yeah, and a second grader. Gosh dang, they're getting old. Uh, it's so it's yeah, this morning there were tears. There were definitely tears this morning. So from my house anyway, this
1: morning, my sweet youngest daughter who's going into first grade, we had to talk about words that you can't say at school. So I really think I'm hitting this parenting thing out of the park. I'm, I'm really doing
0: well.
2: was there a part of them that thought they could get off the hook and like they weren't going to have to go back for a couple months. Yes. So was there any false excitement. Oh, no. Absolutely. Dude. And
0: here there's like the so you have the option to go every day or do online schooling. But for like for little kids, that's not really an option. So there was definitely a we might be able to stay home still. It was like, uh, no, sorry. Get your ass in the school. I'm sorry, you gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. Wake your little ass up. You're going to school today. Right? Yeah. Uh so Emmett, so all our kids wake your ass up. <laughs> all our kids go to the same school and they're all it's the Cardinals is the mascot. And so last night, Emmett and I had to have a talk about like, listen, these are not the St. Louis Cardinals. Like, be nice to kids. Don't say the Cardinals suck. You're gonna get in a fight. Like you can just be like, I'm a Royals fan. You just you don't have to go hard on the Cardinals because you are one now. So please take it easy. No fights on the first day, uh, which would be would be fantastic. Okay, to actual news that's not about our children. We had more opt-outs this week, guys. And three players decided to opt out and go ahead and declare for the draft. And I don't know where you guys are at on this. I'm actually pretty curious. They're all three in my top 32 players. We got wide receiver Sage Surratt from Wake Forest. Offensive tackle Jalen Mayfield from Michigan who played right tackle last year. And then Jay Tufel from USC, a defensive tackle. And I think one of the best defensive tackles in the class. So again, all three in my top 32.
1: And I haven't done much work on the USC kid yet, but I do like his game. I I think that he can be a big interior defensive lineman. He already plays in that like three front at USC. So I haven't scouted him yet. So he's not in my top 32, but uh, the other two definitely are. And I really like their game. Sage Surratt is a guy that... One of the first guys I watched uh, accidentally over the summer is because I wanted to take a look at Jamie Newman. And then while you're watching Jamie Newman, it's like, holy hell, he just throws the ball up to Sage Surratt. Sage Surratt goes up and gets it every time. I'm very excited about him as a wide receiver prospect. I I wish we would have got to see him at Wake Forest for another year. But when you look at him, I really understand what he's doing. You lost your quarterback. It's a new system. It's a weird offseason season probably best for him to opt out. I, I really think that he has potential to stay as a first-round receiver because, like we've talked about before, fellas, there are a lot of really good receivers in this class. So even if he falls to the second round, this could be like a Michael Pittman Jr. type receiver.
2: These are some really big ones. Like Matt said, there is no doubt about it when you look at it. I mean, you could start with Tufele at USC, one of the better interior defensive linemen in this draft that could really you know, stop the run, uh, give you a little pass rush juice. That's a pretty big one. And I'm I'm with you, Melo. The one that jumped out to me was obviously Sage Surratt, just because he has the makeup of a lot of guys that have been drafted early the last couple of years. If you liked Nikhil Harry's ability to go up and win the football, you're gonna like that about Sage Surratt, which I know you did a lot, Mello. If you liked Michael Pittman's toughness in the middle of the field and once again fighting for the football, you're gonna like Sage Surratt. So I came away with the very similar impressions that he was somebody that made life easier for Jamie Newman. He's somebody that will make life easier for NFL quarterbacks. I'm a really, really big fan. And obviously, Jalen Mayfield could actually be the one that's drafted the highest of these three. And I think he also might take the most projecting out of these three, because this is somebody that was a, you know, 13 game starter at right tackle as a true sophomore last year. That's a young player. And he did a hell of a job. And I actually, I'm a big fan. I think it'll be a first round tackle. But once again, that that's not the biggest resume, right? We've seen tackles make different jumps at different stages of their career. Uh, I think Andrew Thomas was a guy that played very well very early while you look at somebody like Mekhi Becton, he came on pretty late. So you just never really know how tackles will develop. But for Mayfield, he will definitely be in the, not the top offensive line in this conversation, because I think you look at Penny Sewell and Wyatt Davis, but he's going to probably be in that top 50 or first round conversation.
0: And there's, so with, with Surratt and Mayfield specifically, these are two very good players at two very deep positions. And so normally I think you would look at those and be like, Oh, like Sage Surratt, this is the dude. But in a wide receiver class that has Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, like that gets muddied a little bit. And the same for Jalen Mayfield. When you have Penny Sewell, when you have Dylan Radins, when you have Sam Cosme, like Alex Leatherwood, there's a lot of really good tackles, at least as prospects. So I, I often wonder with guys like Mayfield, and this is like a just a being like thinking out loud thing. When I see guys like that, is, is it better for you that you came out? and we didn't get a chance to see your question marks exposed? Or would it have been better for you to play another year? You know, I always go back to Connor Williams Mello, who at the University of Texas, everyone loved this guy preseason. Number one tackle preseason, scouts loved him. And and then over the course of his final season at Texas, those question marks got exposed a little bit. He also suffered an injury, but it was like, gosh, actually the play strength isn't there. And he's a little short-armed. Had he not played that last year, he might've been drafted quite a bit higher. So with Jalen Mayfield... Probably not going to have the size questions like we did with a, a guy like that, but uh, at three at 6'5, 320. But it, I think this year is going to be unique in that of did this not playing help or hurt you for the year? Because and I don't think there's an easy answer, you know, it's like every team's going to look at this differently. But with Sage Surratt, um, I didn't have I didn't get a chance to go full pro comp on him yet because I was trying to watch him yesterday, but I will say Jalen Mayfield's game against Penn State worried me a little bit. That Penn State front was very, very good last year. And I I think at some point this year, or I know at some point we'll be talking about Shaka Tony, their 6'3", 250, just athlete that was playing left defensive end and going against Jalen Mayfield a lot. But I do think that game, you could look at that and say, like, gosh, this guy who's basically lining up in a nine technique with all this speed was giving him a little bit of a rough day. The entire Michigan offensive line had a pretty rough day, though.
1: I mean, you could say the same thing looking back last year. Those Iowa tackles, it's like, oh, you watch that Penn State game. That, that was a rough game. And I do wonder about Jalen Mayfield. Uh, he did play right tackle for two years. I wonder about him switching over to left tackle. I don't think that's a big move. I, I don't think it'll be difficult for him. But it is something that we haven't seen him play before. And we've seen a lot of guys be knocked for being a right tackle type. Uh, last year, I I don't think that we got caught up in that Uh, kind of narrative, but I think this year maybe we could. We could be looking at these guys like a Jalen Mayfield and saying he never played on the left side, and that could hurt his stock.
2: And as we have this conversation right now, guys, and I don't really feel this way as much with Surratt, but maybe with a guy like Mayfield, we might see a couple tackles in the SEC, ACC this year that you go, wow, what a year, where you know we're saying, hey, Mayfield's probably in the top 40 right now. Guys rise, man, each year, and you could get knocked back a round or two this year from not playing. And I'm not saying, you know, I mean, what was he going to do, right? Like, it's, I right. mean, the Big Ten canceled. They came out and said they're not changing that decision. But when it comes down to it, you know, things can change if we actually have college football this year and three gigantic conferences that pump out NFL talent each year. Yeah, yep. those
1: Notre Dame tackles are going to get to play in the yep. ACC, uh, Jackson Carman at Clemson you're right Connor like there's a lot of guys who are gonna have tape out there this year and with more tape and you play well your name's gonna go up the board so it really sucks for some of these guys in the Big Ten and in the Pac-12 that they're not gonna have that chance really and and I understand what they're doing with the opt-out, but at the same time, you're going to see some guys' names start to go up boards, and you're going to be kind of stagnant there, uh, and I don't know that we're going to get any workout tape from these guys. It is going to be difficult for them to rise up the board.
0: I think this is what, and I'm not paid uh, and I, uh, to be a shill for these places, but I think this is why it's important to get to an Exos or to an Apex or wherever it might be so that you can be around other players, and they're going to have to find some ways to almost have some some competitions normally you would go and you're just training for your 40 you're training for your combine now it's almost like hey i want like we need to do some seven on seven stuff and let scouts in here to see what we're doing because otherwise as i just uh, hope
1: that it's not one-on-ones for offense and defensive linemen and shorts i'm
0: so tired of that i
1: hate that shit
0: like I love Chase Young. That video that's going around of him like shedding that tackle, who was probably an undrafted free agent. Right. It's so dumb, or who is also probably just in place for Chase Young to work on his hands
1: and his yep. rip move. Yeah, it's I, the worst. Training camp overreactions are like my
0: favorite thing all year.
1: After oh, Christmas, it's it's, it's, over, it's training camp overreactions. Yeah,
0: it's the I remember the year uh when Mahomes was like throwing a ton of picks and training yes. camp, people like he sucks, he's throwing picks. Yeah. Like he's supposed to be. Like that's when you're supposed to You know,
1: in, in our defense here, I think we even looked at that on the show. I remember talking about it. It's like in practice, that's your opportunity to take chances and see what you can do and what you can get away with. So I don't know overreact anymore to what happens in training camp i've been bitten too many times by the look of this guy he's in the best shape of his life which is now my biggest pet peeve or you know any anything like that take it with a grain of salt some of these guys will come in in great shape and it'll make a difference some guys will throw a lot of interceptions in training camp and it's probably telling what they're going to do this year but for the most part i think we know who most of these players are
0: Yep, absolutely agree. Now, no easy way to transition to this, but it is something we have to talk about. USA Today on Wednesday published a pretty uh, inflammatory article accusing LSU of overlooking two additional rape allegations against Darius Geist that happened during his time at LSU. So obviously he's been charged uh, with, I believe, three or four counts stemming from something that happened once he was in the NFL. But USA Today... Spoke to two uh, females who were at LSU, one an athlete, one not an athlete. Uh, And it it seems like, and again, it's innocent until proven guilty, but the article at least says that LSU did not investigate these allegations and that it was basically brushed under the rug because Darius Geis was the star of that football team. If you think back to 2015-16, it was Darius Geis. He was the football team. And again, we have to talk about these things because they're in the news and they're important and we're not going to shy away from it. But we don't know right now. I'm sure LSU is doing their own internal investigation, but it's not a good look uh, at all, especially for a program that, you know, has some skeletons in its past. It's, you know, I'm not saying this is a Baylor situation, but um, on the surface, the way it's painted by USA Today, it it does make you wonder what the hell is going on there. If your Title IX officers were told, if, you know, a tennis coach was told and, and reported to your football coaches and nothing happened. And, and even in the piece, guys, a nurse is quoted as saying, nothing's going to happen. He, meaning Darius Geis, is a god here. And it's just that peek behind the curtain of college athletics, regardless of if this, if this happened to LSU or not, this does happen places still happening in places. And I think that's the biggest takeaway
1: from this thing. You know, you have incidents at, at Penn State or other universities where you're like, how does this happen? And then guess what? It just pops up again somewhere else in the country. I really hope that the NCAA investigates this thing thoroughly. Uh, and I hope that if any of this stuff that we've read about is true, I hope they shut down the LSU program. Like There are not many people in this world that love college football more than I do. But if this kind of shit is going to happen all the time, they need to make an example of a big top blue blood program like LSU. Shut the shit down for a year. Make them really pay for it. Like SMU got a a death penalty. Screw that noise. They need more. Make them hurt right in the pocketbook. Take the money. Don't let them have ticket sales, concessions, any of that. Shut it down for a year if any of this is true.
2: It's almost somehow... You know, Ben, I don't want to say swept under the rug of the story, but I'm kind of surprised at how much same uh, how right. it's not as big right now as I expected after reading it. When I came away reading it, a couple of things. Number one, I was really upset because, you know, we interviewed Darius Geis um, before the draft that year and, and, you know, had some interactions with Darius Geis on Twitter, you know, liked Darius Geis at the time and, and just couldn't be more disgusted. With, you know, the human being he is, obviously. And then number two, you feel awful for the victims that there just seems to be no, there was no answers for them at the time with this. And I just, I look at it and if these things can go on in college football, at a program that on the show, we love LSU. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Before, before they won the championship, when we went there two years ago, Absolutely adore that program. For things to go on like this, it's just mind blowing. It, it can't happen, like Melo said. It simply cannot happen. So I think when you and the last point I'll leave in all of this, and not to make it about us or or anyone else in the media, because it's it's not. It's more about once again the victims and, and the silencing of them. Is that when people hint at pr- prospects having character issues? from scouts that have done investigative work your first reaction should never to be to get angry at the person that's saying that if you are if you don't believe it keep that to yourself that's what i think because there's a track record now of guys that have rumors of character problems in these last couple drafts and look what happens every time you know what i mean not every time but most of but the time pl- but plenty of times and then the people that were yelling at you Go silent, of course. Later on, so right. I just—that's my stance on it. And the—and if you go, well, what are the character problems? It's not always legal to say those things, right? So that you can't expand on them all the
0: time. And as someone who—I mean, obviously, given my job at BR, I'm the one who's doing that most often, and the. As you guys know, I'll pull the curtain all the way back. There are times we can't, like we are told not to. I have you have no to way absolutely because guess what? Well, you don't want to set your company up to be sued. That's not a great way to keep your job. And so, you know, I, I'm very glad you said that, Connor, because I deal with this so often. Where you hear from scouts, coaches, hey, this guy, there's some character issues. What are they? Well, they're this, this, and this. They're not going to come out and say, well, he likes to date rape people. Like They're not saying that. You know, it's, well, you know, questionable stuff It'll might be, be very drugs. Vague. It's very vague. Yeah, you don't always know. But I, I, I echo that fully. Like, don't shoot the messenger, which is what everyone wants to do. Instead of, you know, ah, man, maybe there is something there. Or, like, just don't be such a fan that you're so blind to the possibility right. that – not everyone's a good person.
1: I think a lot of people fall into the trap of, Matt, when you say like, oh, this guy has character issues, or we talk about it on the show, people like to come at you with, a, well, he's never been caught. He has no arrest. What do you mean he has bad character issues? That, that That's not always the case. Sometimes it does take some time for these things to come out, uh, much like Darius Geis, who at the time I think we would have said, yeah, this guy has some character issues. Uh, probably led to him falling in the second round with some injury stuff. But just because they haven't been arrested doesn't mean they have bad
0: character or not. You know, Uh, both of those things can be true. Yeah, I've never been arrested. I don't know that I was. I have, you know, great character. Uh, If you were scouting me, you'd be like, "Eh, he's a little wild, never been arrested. I can can continue to say that. Okay, guys, I want to ask about this because I love the idea on the surface. I have no idea how it's going to work. The NCAA is going to be voting on a measure that would allow guys an extra year of eligibility. So basically... The 2020 season would not count. And this is kind of something that I asked Jim Nagy about the other day was, are guys going to have to opt in to the draft process if this measure passes? They will, because seniors like a Sam Ellinger at Texas, right? That's the the top senior that just came to my mind. He would have to opt into the process because technically he would have another year of eligibility after this year. Or a Travis Etienne. If you're a running back and you opt into the process, we need to talk. And we need to scan your cat because that's not normal. But for some of these other guys, like this is going to be very, very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, it definitely is. And I do like this idea. Uh, I was really surprised
1: that I, I think that this is for every player. We talk about it the is. seniors and how like, oh, we could... You know, for me, I, I saw the tweet and I immediately thought, holy shit, can I get Sam Ellinger back at Texas for another year? But essentially, you could get all these guys coming back. You could have your entire team return if that's the way that this thing shakes out. I like that the NCAA is doing this and they're being a little bit progressive, at least uh, for once in their life. And I've also seen that uh, these guys who are coming back, if you have your fi- fifth year seniors return, it will not count against your your scholarship. So you can still have all those guys on the team as, again, a huge college football fan. I love giving these guys another chance uh, and that it's across the board. Everybody gets kind of this fifth year of eligibility. Uh, I think it's going to make things really interesting going forward, and we're going to have a really good product on the field in 2021, hopefully, when we get a full Power 5 conference football back.
2: I was going to say, anything that benefits the players like this, sign me up. I'm all for it, especially in, I mean, how heartbreaking – this year has to be for a lot of them that lost their You know, this isn't just a football thing. I know on this show, it most definitely is a football thing, but there are plenty of athletes that lost what could have been their final season of college athletics or or beyond that. So uh, when you look at it, this is just a, a good thing all around. I I'm a believer in it. Sure. There are probably some things that you have to address, you know, that are a little deeper than just, hey, does everybody get an extra year of eligibility? But I think overall, it's nice that this is being discussed and seems like a realistic possibility.
0: Yeah, man, it it would be fun. And it would be great for those guys that need this because it's not just about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and and Penny Sewell. It's about those Joe Burrow type players. I know we said mm-hmm. a couple of shows ago, like, hey, that's an outlier. But it is. It's about those seniors who, you know, oh, hey, this is a good player, but they need more time. And so this could be great news, especially for those Big Ten and Pac-12 guys. So... I- I have a question for you guys. Do you think if this goes through, the draft could be condensed maybe to like five rounds? Yeah, I do. Uh, Because on the other side of it, Connor, I know there were conversations about extending the draft this year because they thought like, we're going to see a record number of players enter the pool because a lot of guys haven't played and they're just going to say, well, I'll just throw my hat into the ring and if it doesn't work, I'll be an undrafted free agent. So I could see that going either way. I don't know off the top of my head what the CBA ramifications of that are like because it's all, you know, collectively bargained, but that's right. Yes. It would like it kind of makes sense because if you have a lot of guys go back to school, you know, with that extra year, I mean that affects the senior bowl, affects the combine, it affects uh, and then it affects the draft.
1: I, and I hope that they do something with the players where it's like the NBA draft, where you can declare for the draft. You can kind of go through the draft process and then allow these guys to return to school. Because the, one of the arguments has always been, well, you have these scholarship limits on each team. If the NCAA is willing to ignore that for at least a year and give these guys the opportunity to That's go right. through a little bit, you know, feel out the draft. How's it working out for you? And then if it's not, if you feel like you're going to go undrafted, you don't want to do the undrafted free agent route, you could return back to school for your fifth year of eligibility or or whatever it may be. I For one
0: year, that would be awesome if they did that, where yeah. you could test the waters, can't sign an agent, which I don't know how many guys would do it, you know, a few. There would have to be a, a like a process or a point in the process where you had to make a decision, though. Right. Like, well, no, shoot, because it's the idea is if you go undrafted. So I don't know. i think you could do it though where you could
1: push it down the road and be like hey you have till april 1st april 1st you've got to decide are you coming back for the fall semester or are you declaring
0: for the draft officially but if scholarship numbers aren't a thing then then it doesn't really matter then alabama's getting all the five stars
1: And we did see it but we saw a couple guys even this year i think there was the two punters that decided like super late in the process that they were going to go back to school and the ncaa let them so maybe we are going to start to see some of that loosen up too and Personally, I'm here for it. I,
0: I think that these guys should get that opportunity. And now to our last bit of news before we break down the Senior Bowl Top 250 list and get into our AFC East previews, guys. Sean Payton is recommending an NFL postseason bubble, and I freaking love it. Now that we are you know, w- covering the NBA more on a daily basis, Mello, like dealing with that and then watching what's happening with Major League Baseball, I love the NBA bubble. And I know you even said it the other day, like, I hate the circumstances, but I kind of wish the bubble were here to stay. An NFL postseason bubble would be freaking amazing. I just, I want to find my way in if it happens. Oh, I love it. I love the bubble. And I did say it the other day like,
1: I'm here for it. And I know that the players hate being away from their families. But I love seeing the players interact with each other after games. And maybe in the football world, there's a little bit too much testosterone for that to actually happen. But I do love that the the NFL and Sean Payton are looking at a postseason bubble. Uh, I think it is going to be difficult to get through the season without any COVID uh, outbreaks like we've seen in baseball. Uh, But if you can do it for the postseason, if you can say, let's get everybody healthy for the postseason, you don't want something like COVID holding a team back. You don't want a Lamar Jackson getting COVID and then not being there for the Ravens that drastically changes that team. And I think that there are a lot of hub cities where you could look at it like the NHL, not going to pretend. I know what's going on over there in that league, but with their hub cities and how they're doing it, you could just run across the you know South, Arizona, Dallas, Atlanta, New Orleans. There are a lot of, big cities that have the means to host these teams there enough hotels there's enough practice facilities you have the indoor stadiums I really think that this is something that is going to work for the NFL and I I do hope that they do this
2: and I'm glad that it's being discussed already because you have to have the realization that we just don't know what's going to happen in that part of the year right December into January and then into obviously the you know the finale in February so when you look at it like that it's good that this is being discussed. It's great that somebody like Sean Payton, who, um, you know, obviously is is highly respected by the entire league, is the one recommending this. I know Philip Rivers actually said on a call, hey, what if, you know, a quarterback tests positive a week before a playoff game? Like, what, what are we going to do? And, and I think that kind of opened some eyes, right? Like, if you have, you know, somebody go down on the somebody go on the COVID list during the regular season, it's awful. It sucks. But it is the regular season. I mean, right. you're talking to somebody that roots for a team where his quarterback went down with mono for three <laughs> games last year. So I've literally, you know, seen what happens in the AFC Championship. You can't have that risk. You absolutely cannot have that risk. So sign me up for the postseason bubble. Uh, like you said, Mello, the players don't want to be away from their families. Maybe you can, you know, have since it's a more condensed period of time, their families go in the postseason bubble with them
0: things like that, I think this is much more realistic. And it's a month, like at most, it's a month. I think That's that, exactly right. And I say that it's like, I, I'm barely making it to three o'clock today without my kid, but like, it's a month. And so even with that, if it's okay, if your family comes with you, two weeks before you guys are in isolation, you're testing, and then you're able to go, I, I think there are ways to make it happen. Uh I would be, again, I just want to stick to football credentials because that would be amazing to be in the bubble for a month with those guys covering football yes that is my heaven let's take a break we come back we are getting into it it's the senior bowl top 250 list we're going to break it down position by position The 2021 Senior Bowl figures to be a little bit different than anything we've ever seen before. And as we had on the show uh, Tuesday, Jim Nagy broke it down. They are excited about a particular football Jesus playing quarterback at Clemson, who is on track to graduate in December. And Nagy was kind enough as we record Thursday morning to give us a peek at the top 250 list that'll be coming out Thursday afternoon. So definitely follow the Senior Bowl on Twitter. If you're not already, you're missing out on a great experience, but also just so you get news updates like this, a top 250 watch list. I'm going to immediately cross-check my list with their list, so it's super helpful, but... A lot of good players uh, who are on here. And let's start with that football Jesus. Trevor Lawrence, uh, again, on track to graduate in December. That makes him Senior Bowl eligible. And a lot of people would roll their eyes and be like, why does Trevor Lawrence need the Senior Bowl? Well, because Justin Fields and Trey Lance exist. And we can look at Trevor and say, if there's no football this year, he would be the favorite to be the first pick or the favorite to be QB1. But You would have said that about Tua last year, you know? And the year before that, you would have said it about someone not named Kyler Murray. Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold. Right. So um, I think that's where a player like a Trevor Lawrence has something to gain. And I said this actually last year about Joe Burrow. It was like, hey, the thing with Burrow is you are QB1 as we sit here in the middle of January. But why not extend that lead? Just make it. An absolute uncertainty. Now, to his injury basically made that a certainty for him, but we saw a rise of Justin Herbert at the Senior Bowl last year. So I think for Trevor Lawrence, it's where, you know, he's been good the last two years, and we'll see what this year looks like. He's been good. He hasn't been great. He's not been Andrew Luck, where you watched him play at Stanford, and you're like, this kid's the first pick. Meanwhile, Robert Griffin got into that conversation. So I think with Trevor Lawrence, you always have something to gain because – I don't think a player is ever that slam dunk number one pick that the media thinks they are. There's always competition. Even this year we heard it. Should the Bengals draft Chase Young? You know, he's that good, should they just draft him? So I think for Trevor, it does make some sense to go down there and just prove that you are the guy, especially in a year, fellas, where I don't know if we're going to see scouts at games. Like, yes, the ACC plans to play. I don't know if the NFL is going to let scouts go to games. This might be your biggest chance to have exposure
1: to those guys. Yeah, I I think so too, and obviously I'm a little biased because we get to go to the Senior Bowl and we get to watch these guys uh, practice every day. We get to see their throws live, and it's a great event, Uh, but we have seen guys that benefit off of this greatly. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I think, is most notable. I think he went there with being a first-round quarterback, but even when he went to Mobile, I don't think any of us were sitting there thinking, This is the first overall pick here at the Senior Bowl. I think being able to work with those teams and show what he has and compete against another great quarterback like Josh Allen is probably what slingshot him into that first overall pick. I'm sure the Browns loved what they saw on film, and they didn't base everything off the Senior Bowl, but I do think that Baker Mayfield was able to get down there and be the number one pick based off his week in Mobile. Trevor Lawrence could do the same thing. Matt, like you said... This is a guy who has not played that well over his first two seasons. Now, I I do think that he's the overall number one prospect, but I don't think that he's lived up to the Trevor Lawrence hype that we've all talked about before. So he could come out this year and even struggle again. And if he does, I think that – the senior bowl is at least something that you've got to have him on your watch list for. And then obviously he's QB one, I think for all of us. So if he's going to be senior bowl eligible, he has to be the number one guy at the top of this list.
2: He definitely will be. And I think when you look at it, you know, obviously physical traits, he has as much as anyone as we've seen in the last couple of drafts. That's what you you love about Trevor Lawrence. He moves really well. He's huge, huge arm, um, you know, really tough, good mental makeup everybody that's around him absolutely loves Trevor Lawrence. I only got to spend a brief time around him at the Army All-American Bowl. And I mean, even then, he's just great guy to be around. So I think he'll win people over. And that's what the senior bowl is about. Right. And another thing I like about Lawrence, I do think he plays at a high level in a lot of big games. And some people will point to the national championship last year. But this is somebody that has been in that stage multiple times already in his career. So I'm with you guys that you just take every opportunity you can in this unconventional year, this unorthodox year where, you know, you just want to capitalize whenever you're given the chance to. And I think Lawrence is that kind of guy. I'm actually a believer that there's a good chance we'll see him at the scene.
1: I want to know, who do you guys have as like your top true senior quarterback? Because like Trevor Lawrence is a junior. Yes, he might graduate. But are, is there anybody that you oh, guys goodness. are specifically looking at at that senior? It's not a great. It's list. really not. Like I know that as Texas fans, people will throw Sam Ellinger's name out there. Uh, I don't. I don't view him as like a draft prospect guy. And even a guy like Kyle Trask, who I'm becoming very high on, he's like a redshirt junior, so he could actually go back to Florida. Uh, I when I look at the seniors in this class, I I don't think that there's a lot of great talent. Jamie Newman uh, is a guy a who fan. has name. I'm not really either. It might be Shane Bouchelle for me. It really might. Like
2: be. that's how I think it is. Like I don't count Trask as a senior. You're right. right I don't either. Mello. He 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 probably will be senior bowl eligible, and he's a, he's a good player. I would if we're saying he is eligible, then it's him. But then we could say Lawrence is too.
0: I I think it, for me right now it's Shane Bouchelle. Yeah. So I, I had to scroll down. a ways on my list. Uh, Shane Bouchelle. It's not pretty. Yeah. Is <laughs> the so I have Bouchelle as the top ranked. If and Kyle Trask is right there. I like Sam Ellinger, but I do think that like, you have to know what you're getting. You're not getting a – like you're almost getting a Taysom Hill, yeah, but not that fast. I, you know? I, I think that he's going to be a guy who's drafted maybe maybe even pretty
1: high, uh, like a slower Jalen Hurts even yeah, yes. like if he comes out and throws the ball well this year. But I, I I don't know that he fits that even that mold of quarterback that we want to see in the NFL. I know that quarterbacks are getting more mobile in the NFL, but – I don't know if I see it from guys like Ellinger or Kellen Mond might be a guy who could have a
0: good year and really rise his name up the board. I'm a big Ellinger believer as a human being, you know, and like he's a good football player. Like just if you were like, Hey, this guy, he's just, he's tough. He he runs well. I think he sees the field. Well, the arm is pretty limited though. I think that's,
1: and that's a big difference between being a really good college football quarterback and being an NFL
0: quarterback. Can I throw a name out there that might be my top senior, uh, but we're not going to get to see him play this year. Anthony Brown, who went from Boston College to Oregon, I was so excited to see him play. And now we're not going to get a chance to. So he might have been the top senior, but it's a bad, a it's a bad list. I know that. Yeah, you know, you're you're really hoping that uh you know guys like Trevor Lawrence graduate, uh, because you need that. Uh so at running back and wide receiver, fellas, it's two players who I think we were a little bit surprised that they went back to school. That's Travis Etienne at Clemson and Devonta Smith at Alabama. Now, you could throw Najee Harris's name in there right alongside Etienne if you wanted. Uh, I think it's a little bit of just what type of flavor do you want at the position. Etienne's speed is mesmerizing, and I think the NFL is going that route a little bit more. But obviously with Najee, you're getting power. You're getting good hands out of the backfield. And then Devonta Smith, just incredibly smooth as a player. I think it... It was nice of him to go back to school to help out this new quarterback get broken. Uh, Jalen Waddell is going to elevate and be a top target there as well. But Devonta Smith is just such a such a good route runner. And assuming they play, I, I would think he's a favorite alongside Jamar Chase for a Bolitnikoff.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And I think the thing that's most interesting here is looking at the running back, is that Nagy and the senior bowl, they do have Travis Etienne ahead of, Najee Harris. I have him flipped. I have Najee, Najee ahead of him, but uh, I, I do think it's cool that we were able to get this and see like who the top running back is. Uh, I have him right there neck and neck, obviously they're two great running backs, but to see other people having him just a little bit ahead of Najee Harris is interesting.
2: And I feel like with those two, it's really going to come down to scheme fit, right? Like We didn't think Clyde edwards helaire would be the first running back taken this year, and he's just tailor-made for what Andy Reid wants. And I think with Etienne and Najee Harris, you'll see the same thing this year. I think they'll both probably go in the top 40 picks, and and we won't know leading up to the draft who will go first because it'll just be a scheme preference thing. You look at the wide receivers, yeah, I mean Smith is a player that he could play, he could succeed in the NFL today. He actually could. Strong hands, good speed, uh, incredible at tracking the football so this is just it's a no-brainer for yeah, me yeah
0: and the senior receiver list as happens most often because the receivers tend to declare early it's not that good um yeah never nope, is not usually. super excited for it devonta smith is like head Actually, and shoulders this is one of like the it's a big name
1: the best senior receiver groups that we've seen if they all do end up in mobile you could because you do have a guy like devonta smith you have yep. sage surratt uh tomarian Toure at florida
0: state there are Tylen Wallace. Like we usually don't yeah. see
1: that many good senior receivers on
0: this list. So you know, I'm not a Tylen Wallace fan, though. I did not know that. I'm not. Man, he's slow. Like I just, I could watching him. I just, I got bored. I just could not get into it. Yeah. He tracks the ball. Well, he's got Mm -hmm. good range, but mm -mm, did not. And he's coming off of a
1: huge injury too. I think that's going to be difficult for him.
0: As is the top tight end for your senior bowl in 2021. We don't know where he's going to play next year, but Grant Calcaterra, who uh, temporarily retired from Oklahoma. Uh, He is back. I believe he's in the transfer portal as of now. Uh, Don't know where he's going to be lining up, but I remember liking Grant Calcaterra a lot. Now he's a little bit of a smaller, almost slot tight end yeah. type guy. And your top, you know, your Pat Fairmouths, your Kyle Pitts, they're juniors. And so there's an opportunity for Grant Calcaterra to, to be that top senior. Even like, I believe Brevin Jordan's a junior. Charlie Kohler's yep. a junior. It's, it's going to be a lot of juniors. And then you get a dude like this who... I actually think Calcaterra would be a lot of fun at the Senior Bowl because it is made for guys who can win one-on-ones, and he is he a mismatch player. Yeah,
1: I, I do wonder how good a shape he's still in, and obviously he's going to have time to get there. And and I really question, though, why isn't he going back to OU? I, I would think that as a player, if I were a tight end, like, that's probably where I would want to play. Not me personally, but if <laughs> I was, you know— giving advice on where to go back to and play tight end, I figured that, oh, you would be the top school. He's found a lot of success there. I do think that he needs to probably add weight from where he was. Uh, I know that when he did have his initial retirement, he was around 6'4", 220, and that's just not going to play in the NFL. So he's going to have to add some weight, uh, which uh, take my word of advice here, that's actually pretty easy to do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving on. Speaking of adding weight, uh, the offensive line group, not bad. Not bad at yeah. all. I mean, we look at a guy like Alex Leatherwood. That I, I don't know about you guys. I thought he was going to be in last year's draft. It was a little bit of a surprise that he went back to school, but nothing wrong with that. And Dylan Radens, right? That's how you pronounce his last yep, name, I, correct? I give. I was saying it wrong. I've my North and Dakota State coach okay. reached out. I was going to say Radins.
1: some. I saw somebody said it was like raisins with a D. So Radens. Yep.
2: Radens. Yeah. I. Uh, most schools have pronunciation guides. Um. But I could not find one for them that year. So when you look at it, these are two obviously potential first round tackles. It seems like Raidens has generated a ton of buzz over the last couple of months. You watch Leatherwood. I still think he's a second or third round player. But once again, we've seen tackles make giant steps after they go back to school. So these guys will have the spotlight on them. I mean, unfortunately for Raidens, he's, you know, they are not going to have a season, but for Leatherwood, he's somebody that his stock can rise because he's going to play a lot of football this and year.
1: And let me be the biased fan that comes into the comment section and is like, where the hell is Sam Cosme at? Because I have him as tackle number two in this, or sorry, tackle number three in this class. Uh, and I do like Leatherwood. I like Raiden's a lot from what the limited film I've watched on him so far. But this is going to be a really good offensive line class. I mean, we're talking about three seniors right here that are going to be very good. You could throw a Walker Little in there as well. but healthy, yeah. I I really like both of these players. Alex Leatherwood, I think he's going to have the benefit that – He's played almost everywhere on that offensive line. He started as a guard before. He's played right tackle. He's played left tackle. I think that he's going to be very versatile. And maybe that does push him to the second round. But I think this is a good offensive lineman that any NFL team should be happy with.
0: I don't know how far out you guys have, have done your big boards yet, but I have Raiden's as a top 10 player. I really like watching him play. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's technically very, very sound. And it, the level of comp, yep, it's going to be a question, it's going to be an issue. I think he probably needs to add a little weight. I think he's six six three oh one is what he's listed at, but maybe it's because I was such a huge Joe Staley fan that I kind of see that in Raidens a little bit. But I I do really, really like him. And I've talked to people that think he's better than Penny Sewell, and I disagree, but I'm I will tell you that opinion is out there. Yeah. He has more length, right? Than Sewell. Uh I think it's yes, tough to say. It's, it's hard six, because-
1: six and the other's like I mean, Penny Sewell's listed at 6'6", but Raiden's looks like he has more length. But uh, Sewell's 30 pounds heavier, so
0: that can be, you know, is he just thicker? Uh, So it makes him look not as long. Uh, Penny, like, I don't know. Penny's length shows up sometimes because I actually my biggest complaint with him, this is a side topic, but he gets outside the shoulder pads too much. Like, he grips on his punch a lot. Like, he'll just grab you by the numbers, basically. And that's going to be holding in the NFL. But if I have a complaint about him, that's what it is. Um, but that's a weird side avenue to go down. You
2: you wanna hear a weird bias that I'm shaking. The first time I saw Raidens, I thought it was he I thought he was identical, not the way he plays, the look, the body type to Jason Spriggs. Oh, yeah, that'll who was just a huge bust. That'll kill it. For the Packers. Yeah. And and I mean I'll I'll shake that off and just evaluate him as his own. But man, when I see a tackle that's that tall and that light, I'm just like, Oh man. And now he's not playing this year. I, but
0: I do. He's way better than Spriggs ever was. I will say so that. So for me, it's always Andre Dillard when I see a guy like that. You know, like that's who, yeah. who you're built like. And it's, oh, yeah, you're Andre Dillard. Who, a lot of expectations for him this yes. year to. To be a good starter. Okay, how about, uh, let's go defense. Uh, Interior defensive line, I think it's Marvin Wilson all day at Florida State as the top interior defensive lineman. It's not a great tackle class this year. It doesn't look to be, at least. Uh, And I think that uh, Wilson, I'm trying to scroll. I think he is my top interior defense. Or Tyler Shelvin would be at, at LSU, but he's a redshirt sophomore, I believe. So, at least as far as seniors go, it's Marvin Wilson up there.
1: Yeah, I, I that's the way I have it, too. And then uh, I do have a little bit of a drop-off, but I, I think that he is the number one guy. It just a lot, it reminds me a lot of Derek uh, Brown. Sorry, I can't speak right there, but he reminds me a lot of Derek Brown because these are two big guys that are going to come in, and I think that with Marvin Wilson, he can be very dominant in his senior year, much like we saw with Derek Brown, a guy that we thought might come out early. And it's just going to be a big bully on the interior. Uh, he is my number one interior defensive lineman.
2: And he was somebody that, and obviously I know the ACC still plans to play football, and Marvin's obviously a guy that, you know, is a team leader. He wants to play. He was somebody I thought could have opted out, and it would have been, okay, you know, I kind of know what he is, right? Like, don't really see him, his stock going down anywhere. Uh, Just a really, really solid, high motor, strong as shit. I mean, this is somebody that threw Mekhi Becton to the ground on film. That's how strong he is, so... This one, there's a pretty big gap, I think. After him,
0: now at edge. This surprised me. Uh, the name Nagy gave me was Quitty Pay from Michigan. A little bit, uh, I believe, a little bit undersized. But again, the edge group. If you're a good edge, usually come out early. And there are not a lot of seniors in most edge groups. Uh, we saw uh, Gregory Russo already declare. Um, I like Carlos Basham Jr. I think he's just a very, very good athlete. I think he might be a little short, but. Pay from Michigan coming in here. Uh, Maybe this is is Nagy's Wolverine bias. I don't know.
1: I I actually really like Pay as well. I have him listed as a defensive lineman. I know that he plays defensive end for Michigan, uh, but I think that he's a guy who's probably going to have to play with his hand in the dirt. I have him listed at 6'4", 277. But he was also on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Uh, He's going to make some noise Uh, when it comes to combine testing and anything that he gets done. I really like him, but like I said, I don't know that he's – Like a traditional edge where you say, ooh, he could be a stand-up pass rusher or not. I think that he's going to get the job done with his hand in the dirt, which is not a knock. I absolutely love that about guys. And we've seen a lot of guys, like an Ed Oliver type guy who's like, ooh, he's so quick on the interior. He's maybe not quite big enough to be a true defensive tackle. Probably don't want to play him with his standing up. So that's kind
0: of where I'm at on quitty Pick. And I apologize. I said undersized. That's because, yeah, uh, that was him. That's where I had him listed as two is where is he going to play? He's yeah, he's a tweener. But yeah, uh, as you said, that freaks list, um, he would have clocked the fastest three cone at the 2020 combo. Six, three, <laughs> seven, three cone. So you want short area quickness and burst? Good God.
2: Yeah, I think when, I could make an argument that no uh, non quarterback was hurt more by the cancellation of the Big Ten season than pay I, I think he's somebody that, you know, six and a half sacks last year. That's great. But if this season, if he had like a 13 sack season, he probably could have skyrocketed to the top 15 picks in this draft. So the, it definitely hurts him. That three
0: cone, man, that's like you could teleport to Mars level three cone. Yeah, no, he's very impressive. And I have not, uh, I've been watching uh, a lot more linebackers the last uh, week or two. And so I haven't had a chance to focus in on him, but you can't like watch Michigan play and not find yourself drifting to that, him a little that bit.
1: That entire defensive line is going to, oh, well, shit, was going to be really <laughs> good this year. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is another guy who kind of plays that just big defensive end spot. Those two as bookends would have been terrifying for anybody in the Big Ten.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, wish that old boat guy was right because I was really rooting for some Senior big Boat. God. Senior Boat. Yeah, I
2: hate the I hate the internet, yeah. man.
0: Yeah, it's tough, and it's tough because like you want it to happen, right? You're like rooting for it. You're like, man, it feels like someone else would break this news. You know, like yeah. we had Ross Dellinger on. It's it, him or Bruce Feldman or yeah. anyone else. Or you
1: see other people who are credible and like have a uh, a quote from. Kevin Warren, and it's like, I think I'm going to go with that quote instead of per source from Senior Boat.
0: Senior Boat. I love that you just won't say his name. Okay, at linebacker, uh, the brother of a player we talked about quite a bit earlier in the show, Chaz Surratt at North Carolina – UNC has actually postponed uh, all fall activities right now because of a a COVID outbreak on campus. But if Chaz Surratt plays this year, he is very, very talented, very athletic, uh, playing. I think he's probably a weak side linebacker at the next level, but he has a a big fan in me. Uh, And he has an even bigger fan in me. I love
1: Chaz Surratt. Obviously, his brother, too, was Sage. This is a dude who moved from quarterback to linebacker. And I think a lot of people would say like, oh, I wonder how that transition is going to go. He didn't move to safety. He is a badass at linebacker who's not afraid to come up and hit. Uh, I love that he switched to linebacker. Uh, Like I said, I don't know that there's a bigger fan of Chaz Surratt on this planet. Maybe his parents. I don't know. I think I'm a close second.
2: Good genes in that family, man. I'll tell you that right now. Talk about athletes. And I'm pretty sure I saw our good buddy Jim Nagy say on Twitter that he was undecided. On if Micah Parsons was the consensus top linebacker in this class, that's how much he liked Chaz Surratt. So he's going to be on everyone's radar very, very shortly. And having a senior bowl opportunities is this could be somebody that once again skyrockets because the versatility he has in his game is uh, I won't use Isaiah Simmons as a player because that's not what he is but when you want to see versatility Surratt has and it. he only
1: has one year at linebacker I think that's the crazy thing about him is he did make that position move so if Nagy's eyeing him for the senior role I think that'd be a really good opportunity for him to come and prove like yes I know how to play linebacker I can do this it's not just you know a one-year thing or whatever two-year thing I'm really looking
0: forward to him I hope we see him in mobile I had him at 40 overall and thought like oh this I'm high on this guy So, Uh, I have him lower on my board than you do, but I'm a bigger fan. Okay. Well, that's good. I was like, am I crazy over here? (laughs) All right. How about the secondary uh, corner from Penn State, which they just churn guys out on defense right now. Tariq Castro Fields. Corner another spot. If you're good, usually leave early. Uh, I think we saw last year Damon Arnett stayed and was a first-round pick. I don't have uh, Tariq Castro Fields that high, but I am a big fan of his. I think he has... The speed, the reaction time, and I do think the length is there that's good enough that we could be looking at a starting-level corner.
1: It, the thing for me with him is, uh, where's Sean Wade at? I, I have Sean Wade way up there. I mean, is I think he's a top-level corner. I think he's a redshirt junior.
2: Yeah, I don't think he's eligible. Oh, okay, so they can't say yeah. oh, okay.
1: that he's He's eligible. probably one of those guys. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense, because when I saw the corner, <laughs> I was
0: like, wait a second. Uh, so that makes more sense. Okay. But... Paulson Adebo is a senior. So having Castro Fields over him, I know Adebo coming off an injury. That one surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I think Adibo's starting to become underappreciated a
2: little bit because of that injury. He went from like way too much hype, which I'm probably partially guilty of uh, this time last year to now just being completely forgotten about. And he's a good
1: player, man. I think both Stanford guys are that way. Uh, They, you know, suffered through some injuries last year. But when you look at Walker Little and Paulson Adebo, they won't have that chance to bounce back. But hopefully those are guys that we can see at the Senior Bowl who are are ready to go and can re-raise their stock up. I know that we've both had those guys, or all three of us have had both of them in the first round in some of the mock drafts and things that we've done.
0: Yeah, and I actually like Walker Little a lot, but again, coming off an injury. So, and now we don't get to see him play. Thank you. Pac-12. Now, I'm going to try not to butcher this man's name because he's a hell of a football player, and I don't want him to kill me. Washington safety, Hamza Nasruddin. Got I think it. I got it. He is a stud, and this is a good safety class. We've talked about this before. Uh, I'm a big fan of Javon Holland at Oregon, Andre Cisco at Syracuse, uh, Caden Stearns at Texas, and then I think you have to put Nasruddin in there as well. A 6'4", like he has everything you want. Probably more of an in-the-box in the guy, 6'4", 220, I really like watching him.
1: Yeah, play. I like his tape, too. And I know that sometimes people uh, don't like the language that we use on this podcast. So this is where I'm going to say earmuffs. This is a big motherfucker who can come <laughs> up and hit. And I really like his game.
2: I mean, he's huge. And if you look at a lot of the safeties in the NFL that could change the game or that have been drafted high in recent years, you love that kind of build. Right. It gives you more range, gives you more pop can be a tough position to stay healthy at with the amount of car crashes you're in year after year. I'm with you guys all the way. This safety class, it's good to see a senior get a lot of love in it. But, man, the underclassmen in this one as well. You brought up
0: Cisco, who just is ball hawk city. This is a really, really good safety group. There it is. All right, you guys let us know if we missed anybody. Definitely let Nagy know if they missed anybody. And check out that top 250 list. It will be available by the time you're listening to this. Let's take a break. We're going to get into our AFC East preview. It is AFC East time, and there are a lot of questions about this division. Will Connors Jets rise up the board? Will Cam Newton or Jarrett Stidham or Brian Hoyer be the quarterback for the New England Patriots? And then, I mean, we're watching a lot of young players here. The Miami Dolphins, incredibly young. The Buffalo Bills, very young guys. Let's start with the Patriots. They won the division last year. Uh, it was close. And running through my record predictions this morning, I have like the grid and I went oh, win, lost win, one you know, thing. And it's like, for New England, you almost have to shed what you like, what they've been. You have you know? to forget the perception that you've always had about New England. 20, years, 20 years of, yep, they're going to win every game at home. It's not like that anymore. Where I got stuck was, I still think they're going to be good. And some of that is just, I believe in Bill Belichick that much. They have had the most NFL players opt out. They uh, have not necessarily hit on early draft picks uh, that well. But I'm still such a believer in Bill Belichick that you could tell me he's going to platoon his quarterbacks like Chris Sims and Major Applewhite, and I would believe that he could probably get it done. I still have them at ten and six. My breakout player, I'm going with one of those rookie tight ends they took in the third round, Devin Asiasi. He fits so perfectly what this offense like was before Brady became Brady and just took over and they really catered to him and he was changing everything in the line of scrimmage. I think if Josh McDaniels goes back to his roots, we're going to see these young tight ends play huge roles and a CSE is the one that I like a little bit better.
1: See, I almost put Dalton Keaton as my breakout guy too. I really like both these tight ends and think that they're Really good fits for what New England wants to do, assuming, like you said, Matt, that they're going to kind of get back to that traditional two tight end set. Uh, I think we saw last year how how much it sucked for them to not have those tight ends to go to. Relying on two rookies might be a little bit tough, but I'm going to go with my breakout players, Kyle Duggar, and training camp overreactions. I said I love him. This guy's getting a lot of them. Seems like he has an interception every day, but again, I love the fit in New England. Uh, I I find myself with New England still kind of overrating them. I put them at nine and seven, but looking at this roster, this could be a six and ten team. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with nine and seven, uh, but I do not have them winning the division, and I don't think they'll make the playoffs.
2: No, it's because you believe in Bill Belichick. I think we're all guilty of that, right? I looked at this team, and I'm just like, man, I could not be more underwhelmed, and still have them going ten and six. I think they do win the division. I think both them and the Bills will finish with ten wins. I just think the tie could go to New England. Either way, I think it'll be very, very close. Breakout player for me is Chase Winovich. And boy, do they need him to be a breakout player. They need something on the edge from one of these young guys. I think Winovich will bring it. I really do. I think he's ready to take on that kind of role. And I think for New England, you know, they're a team that doesn't need to draft an edge pass rusher in the first round to find success. They've been really good at that in the Bill Belichick era. So Winovich, breakout player, I think he, you know, maybe the sack numbers won't be anything crazy, but I think he'll consistently generate pressure uh, from the edge. And why I think this team goes 10 and 6, I actually believe in Cam Newton. Do I think he'll be MVP, Cam Newton? Absolutely not. I don't think that's fair, really, to anyone, especially with a team that now has questions on the offensive line, some questions at the skill group still lingering. And Nikhil Harry definitely needs to be kind of shocked that wasn't your breakout player there, Melo. Uh, <laughs> I think when you look at it, you know, Nikhil Harry is a guy that needs to make an impact. I think Cam Newton will do enough where this team does continue moving forward and wins 10 games. It, it,
1: with Nikhil Harry, like I'll pat myself on the back here. I had him wide receiver one. I just didn't like what I saw last year out of him. I really thought that he would take to this offense uh quicker than he did, and he didn't. So that's why I didn't have him as my breakout player. I do think that they're going to rely heavily on these tight ends in New England, and I wonder how much... Uh, we can see Nikhil Harry get on the field. I I hope that he lives up to the hype that I built up around him, though.
0: So I almost put Jarrett Stidham as my breakout player just because I, I truly don't know who the quarterback is going to be there. And yeah. it could be Cam Newton. It could be Jarrett Stidham. It could be both. I do know that... You cannot read or hear anything Bill Belichick it, says and trust it.
1: I was going to say I thought I also saw reports that, you know, obviously the media is very limited on what they can do this offseason, but I think the Patriots were even saying like you cannot tweet out who's running first string with us. I know like, the they Packers did you. that too. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the Patriots were another team to do it. So, like, question for you guys though, who do you think starts week 1 for the Patriots?
0: I don't
2: know. Oh, I think it's I'm not even questioning it. For me it's Cam. I don't know. But he just needs to stay healthy. And I'm going to a problem. I
0: truly don't know. And so much much of it goes to, like, the playbook and stuff. Like, Cam came in late, and there's this abbreviated camp. So you would have to – and this is, like, no disrespect to Cam. I think you would just have to cut your playbook down a little bit. But maybe they do that and just say, you know what? Good luck stopping us. We're running, like, QB power and a lot of, you know, misdirection and – I don't know. I I trust whatever Belichick does. I know that. Maybe I should say Brian Hoyer, just so we each have a guy. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me either, though. Uh, How about this team? And this is who I have winning the East, the Buffalo Bills. I think what we saw last year from Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean's team was exceptional. You add Stephon Diggs, you get Tredavious White playing this season, which is huge for them. I'm going with a 10-6 and six record, same as my Patriots prediction, but I think the Bills win the division. And my breakout guy, I wanted to say Josh Allen so badly, but my last impression of him was the playoff game, and I can't do it. So I'm going Tremaine Edmonds, who was actually my top linebacker uh, in that uh, was it 2019 draft class. I was a huge Tremaine Edmonds fan. I think we started to see it last year. He started to play really well. He's just young. I think this is the year that we see him step up, become that leader in the front seven, and the national media recognizes who he is.
1: Yeah, I really like his game as well, and I really like the Buffalo Bills. This is the team that I have winning the division this year. I, they went 10-6 and six last year. I like the pieces that they're bringing in with a Stefan Diggs. I-, I like that they're returning a lot of guys, too. So I think this is a team that goes at a minimum 10-6. and six. I-, I really like them in the AFC East. As far as my breakout players go, I'm going to steal Ed Oliver. I think that he came in with a lot of hype, obviously, as a top pick. Got on the field a lot, but still only had those five sacks. I think that he finds a little bit more comfort this year going into year two, and he can break out and be a top performer for that amazing Buffalo defense.
2: I have the Bills at 10 wins as well here. I think you look at them, you know, second place, I do think they're going to finish behind New England. I think the Bills will be back in the playoffs. Um, The problem for me is I think this is one of the best rosters in the entire AFC. I'm just not the biggest believer in Josh Allen being a consistent quarterback where they don't have letdown weeks here and there. I mean, when you look at the roster on paper and the coaching staff, this is a team that should win 11 or 12 games. But I do think they'll have... A couple stinkers from Allen. I I really do. And I also have a concern about him staying healthy with the style, the brand of football that he plays, which is uh, I commend it. It's I respect how tough he is. It's absolutely reckless at times. And I'm glad he cut out the uh, the Allen Leap last year a little bit because that is a quick way to die in the NFL. But I mean, he's still a guy that runs a lot and takes some pretty big hits. The breakout player for me is Dawson Knox. Uh, I loved Dawson Knox that year in the draft. I think we saw some flashes last year. You know, the hands have to get a little bit better. I think he's a hard nosed blocker, man. I'm not saying he's this guy, but if you can get him to be your George Kittle light in that offense, where he's a guy that is a great run blocker. Can do things after the catch very, very well. That would be a big boost for Josh Allen in this offense. And once again, I believe in this staff. I believe in this roster, and that's why I have them at ten wins.
0: Yeah, I believe in the defense a lot too. Like, uh, it's not it's a ton unit. of big names, but I do like that defense. And just, the, I'm a Sean McDermott fan. I, that first and foremost, All right? Last year, the Jets finished a, a shocking, sneaky seven and nine, third in this division. Uh, I'm not. Don't. Don't. Compliment them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't not, pander to me. I don't want your. Sympathy. I'm not expecting the yeah. same thing this year, guys. I have them at 5 and 11. Uh, my breakout player, I'll go with Patrick uh, Amuso. I like him. I liked him in Baltimore. Never really got a chance there to be the guy. But I think now that CJ Mosley's opted out, uh, I, we have an opportunity to see an athletic, rangy young linebacker who just needed a chance to prove himself and was kind of at a backlog. But. Man, I just I love Sam Darnold so much. I they've not done him any favors. And some of it is you you're limited on draft picks every year. That has to be the priority going into next year. But then even when you look at the defense, it's like, oh my God. Like uh and I, right. I liked a lot of the draft picks when they happened, but you kind of look at the defense and you're left scratching your head a lot. So many young players would have to step up and play out of their minds for them to have a better record than last year, honestly. So I think they could be a better team with a worse record.
1: Yeah, I'm not in love with what they're doing either. Sorry, Connor, but I think you would probably agree with me. I like what they've done on the offensive line. I, I th- wish they would have surrounded Sam Darnold with some more weapons. Uh, I Frank Gore, love the guy, but I don't think that he's going to be getting it done anytime soon. It's getting a little old. You're you're. Number one target is probably going to be Denzel Mims, who is a rookie or maybe the tight end, too. But my breakout player, I am going with Sam Darnold. I think that he played very well when he was healthy last year and obviously a setback from Mono. I know that he missed some games, but I think that's also something that's just really difficult to recover from. So with a full offseason, another year comfortable in this offense, I think we see some really good football from Sam Darnold. Sadly, for all of our Jets fans, I don't think that equates to wins on the field. I have them at four and twelve. I, I look at this defense. I think this is a team that's probably going to struggle a lot. They don't have anybody that can get after the passer. Uh, weak in the secondary. Now that you know you don't have a Jamal Adams back there, I, I think that this is maybe a team that's headed in the right direction. But uh, this is going to be a tough year for the the Jets. I think
2: there's a lot of holes, right? You look at this team. Why Joe Douglas traded their franchise player? Well, now they have you know two extra first round picks and an extra third round pick and you look at it and you go, they have a lot of holes to plug, right? They still need a number one corner. Uh, they do not have an edge pass rusher. That is absolutely correct. I mean, Jordan Jenkins is a guy that in a perfect world is your, you know, number two at best. He's a solid player, but he's not your top edge pass rusher and they don't have much at wide receiver right now. Denzel Mims has been nursing a hamstring in the beginning of camp. So Darnold is throwing to a lot of names that, to uh, you know, common football fans have not heard of. And that's an issue. Now, one bright side is I-, I believe Chris Herndon being back will be huge for Sam Darnold. And Herndon is my breakout player here. I think this will be an offense where the passing game is funneled through the tight end position. Uh, they had big plans for Herndon last year before he got hurt and pretty much missed the entire year coming off suspension. So it's a tough situation for Sam Darnold. Uh, the Jets fans that listen to this show, they-, they pretty much know how I feel already. I think I'm a big believer in Joe Douglas. I think this roster is, is starting to get turned around. But it's, it's probably two years away right now. And that's a shame for Sam Darnold. And on top of that, I don't really believe in the play caller and, and head coach in, in Adam Gates. I like Greg Williams, but I think with the schedule they have, uh, the way the roster is right now, I think this is a 6 and 10 team, which is a step back from last year and obviously disappointing. But I, I just think, quite frankly, you know, or quite truthfully, they're going to be looking for a head coach after this year. And, and Joe Douglas is going to keep building this roster his way, which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, I am a Joe Douglas believer. I'm a Joe Douglas fan. I think he'll get it done. Just you—you you have to have draft picks, and honestly, you have to have money. You have to be able to go get those free agents when you have cap space. So hopefully, those two things get ironed out. Uh, now, how about the Miami Dolphins? Uh, I have the Dolphins going seven and nine, expecting a big improvement this year. I liked what we saw last year from Brian Flores' team. They've is that drafted, Robert's cousin. Yeah, Robert's brother, Brian. They've drafted well. I like what they did on free agency. I mean, bringing Byron Jones, you get your splash, but then just kind of filling in some of the holes with veteran players, you know, bringing in an Emmanuel Ogba, bringing in a Shaq Lawson. I think those were smart moves. Now, Kyle Van Noy is going to help a lot at linebacker as well. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they, they had an, an injury there the other day to Vince Beagle, who was uh, hoping for a nice step up from him. But I do like this team. Now, the quarterback is a gigantic. Question mark Is Tua going to be healthy enough? There have been reports Josh Rosen looks pretty good in camp. Seems like he's loosened up a little bit, but if, if obviously Ryan Fitzpatrick is there, and we've all seen what he can do to a quarterback room before and just take things over. I have them go 7-9. and My breakout player, though, Matt Breida, one of the fastest players in the NFL. If given, I don't, you know, the, the days of RB1s don't truly exist anymore, but if given his fair share of carries over a Jordan Howard, over a Kalen Balaj. I think Matt Breida could become a player that NFL fans recognize and know the breakaway runs that he's had in San Francisco, even in limited carries. He's an exciting player out of the backfield, and I think that he'll fit what they want to do offensively.
1: This is Dolphins roster sneaky good. Now, I like the pieces that they added on defense. And like we've talked about before, I am a huge fan of Brian Flores. You look at this team and the way that it was built last year, I think everybody was on board with, oh, we're going to tank and try to get our quarterback, except for Brian Flores. This was a really good team that was tough to beat. And now they've added a lot of veterans on the defense. Obviously, Tua at quarterback. I don't know how early we see him play. I don't know if we see him play uh, much at all this year. But I do think this this is going to be a better team that is headed definitely in the right direction. I think they're a team that could be contending in the AFC East very soon. Looking at that schedule, though, it's going to be pretty tough. you got some tough teams on there. I have them at 6-10. and Uh, But this is a team that I would be very excited about. I know we have a lot of Dolphins fans that listen to the show and they were kind of a team that took over with so many draft picks last year. I I really like what they're doing. And I think Mike Gasecki, a guy who's I've always been a big fan of, I think he can have a big breakout year. I think that he was kind of on the verge of it last year. This is a great athlete at the tight end position with some injuries at wide receiver with some guys that are coming back from injuries as well. I think you can look at him and say that he could be a top tight end specifically in the AFC East, if not in the AFC in general.
2: And I'm a believer in the Dolphins, their organization going in the right direction. I still think this is a team that's that's a little bit far away right now. I think they're this division split in half for me. I think you have the Patriots and the Bills duking it out to win it. And I think you have the Jets and the Dolphins pretty much in the same place right now. I have the Dolphins going five and 11. I think my concern, my biggest one is after a good year with a team, Ryan Fitzpatrick, when there's expectations the following year, always bottoms out. He did it with the bills. He did it with the Jets. He'll do it again with the Dolphins this year. I would like to see Tua. I mean, I'll stand by, and I'd love to see Josh Rosen hopefully improve. Like you said, the signs out of camp have been great. I'm uh, not going to put all my eggs in that basket again right now, but I'd also like to see the offensive line be ready if you are going to put Tua back there. So I understand why they're in a tough spot, why they're so, you know, sold on going into this year with Fitz as the starter. I have my questions with this team, uh, you know, some that are similar to the Jets. They don't have an edge pass rusher right now, in my eyes. They have a lot of guys that could stop the run Shaq Lawson, Manny Agba, They lost Vince Beagle already, somebody that would have been okay at getting after the quarterback. Really good corners, but it's a lot of pressure on those corners when you don't have a great pass rush or really any pass rush up front. The offense, the skill players, it could be better, right? This backfield, it's okay. The offensive line, it's still not good. They lost wide receivers from opt outs right now and Allen Hearns and Albert Wilson, but the breakout guy I'm a believer in is Preston Williams. I think he could be a number one wide receiver. He's coming back from that injury after huge flashes last year. I think he can really be a big piece with Devontae Parker in this group as the number two. So that's something to be excited about. I think Brian Flores and Chris Greer really have this going in the right direction. But like I said about the Jets, the roster still feels about
0: two years away. Yeah, Dolphins are real young on that offensive line. And that's something that wh- whoever's back there is going to have uh, They're gonna have some fun because they're going to learn on the job. All right. Let us know. This is a great time to leave that. Apple podcast or Spotify review. Let us know who you think is going to win and don't be afraid to leave your draft on draft questions, which we're going to answer when we come back. All right. It is draft on draft time. And because we've been long winded today, we're going to take a couple and then we're going to save some for the Tuesday morning show. So definitely listen to the whole goddamn thing. So you can hear your question. All right. Micah McDonald wants to know, Gruden has been upfront right away about Tanner Muse playing that linebacker safety hybrid. How do you think he fares in the AFC West in that role that essentially had Raider Nation falling in love with Isaiah Simmons? Not comparing the two, just the role. I think the AFC West badly needs that, Micah, because think of the tight ends there, man. I mean on your own team, you have Darren Waller, but you have Travis Kelsey. You have Noah Fant. Uh you have Hunter Henry if healthy. You need that guy who when the Chiefs go with the, this, and the, the Broncos can do this now too, when they run 11 personnel, but that tied in such a big mismatch, you need someone that, oh, wait, I can I have to stop the run, but I have to cover. I think that is super valuable, whether it's an Isaiah Simmons or you know, we'll see if Kenneth Murray can be that for the Chargers or not. But I think Tanner Mews... The athleticism's there. It's just, can he play with the discipline to not get over-aggressive? I think that was one of the biggest issues at Clemson. But uh, as far as athleticism goes, it's all there for him to excel in that role. And this is a guy they took in the third round. And I think with this hybrid linebacker
1: safety, uh, I think a lot of people are starting to go in the direction of, a linebacker that's really good in coverage, instead of a safety that can come and play in the box. Uh, even the you know the Kansas City Chiefs have their Darren Dan Sorensen type guy. I like what Tanner Muse can be to this team, and I think when you look at the AFC West, much like Matt said, this is probably a, a group of tight ends that are the best out of any division in the league. You have to have a guy that can come in and shut them down. Uh, the Denver Broncos, I think that they're a team that could really target Fant a lot this year. Darren Waller. Uh, is a guy that he's going to get a look at in practice at least but hunter henry with the chargers very good and travis kelsey uh, i know that tyree kills very good travis Kelsey's is the number one target on that team and i think that if you can take him away that would be very helpful for the raiders and tanner muse is the guy that could probably do it
2: i mean there was a reason they took this guy as early as they did right i mean i thought tanner muse was going to be a day three player that that really gets going on special teams early when they take him in the third round, that means he's going to have some kind of role, even if it's a rotational role in this defense. So, you know, Micah is spot on with this question that, you know, they obviously have plans for Tanner Muse to at least be that third safety, to be a rotational guy, uh, somebody that can be a matchup kind of player. Now, I think the learning curve is going to be a little bigger than, you know, people want to realize. Once again, what I saw in film from Tanner Muse was somebody that's super athletic, super hard-nosed, would be just perfect as your rookie special teams player. I think in coverage, the overall awareness right now, I don't know if it's on an NFL level where I want him out there running with Travis. I mean, like you said, Mello, holy smokes. The tight end groups in this division across the board, all four teams,
0: it's super, super impressive. It's a lot to ask of a player like Muse right now. I believe I had Tanner Muse as like my 17th safety. It was pretty yeah, I didn't have him. Admittedly, I didn't have him in my top 200 players. Yeah, I had him listed um,
1: a linebacker, so I didn't even have him any yeah. safety.
2: Yeah. Now, I'm sure he'll, he'll outplay where I had him ranked because I I believe in uh, Mayock, but I, I just thought it was a little bit early of a pick where the expectations
0: should be tempered. Yeah, the athleticism, so much jumped off tape. Yeah, and it's like, how, how do they have Isaiah Simmons and this guy? Uh, it almost seemed not fair. Okay, I lied. I had him at 161 overall, so he barely made my top 200. Okay, I had to check because that seemed low. All right, next question uh, for you guys today. Two actually comes from RB. If you had to choose one music artist or band's music to play during games when your favorite sports team plays this season, who would it be and why? So one band every Texas game, every Jets game, every Royals game, I there there are some good options. I have to pick Metallica because the the catalog is gigantic, but also it's they almost like spanned a couple different genres. Like it was like the hair metal days. Then they got kind of alternative. That's what I have to pick.
1: And I thought you were going to take my band rage against the machine. I uh, was going to say, I'm that's still like on a, the perfect pick. Yep. That's what I'm rolling with. I think that you're playing that in stadium or even if you're just, I don't know, sitting in your living room and you want to make your own soundtrack to a Royals game. Uh, for me, it's rage against the machine.
2: This just reminded me of something that, is like a pet peeve of mine you guys ever go on youtube and like you randomly want to see a player's highlights like say you want to see like god i don't know like mahomes touchdown passes from last year and you turn on like a highlight video on youtube and the music just starts blaring of some awful song because of that (laughs) era on youtube i like i hate the thought of music during football Like, not at a stadium. That's different. Like, I love kickoff music. And, like, uh, when I played sports, I loved putting together warm-up tapes for our team. Like, things like that. (laughs) But I hate the concept of music being played during sports because of awful YouTube highlight compilations.
1: Oh, yeah. I still go to them sometimes. And I'll look at the YouTube I mute them every time. Yeah. And it's difficult. And even if, like, I'm watching a highlight package, usually I want to hear what the announcers have to say. Like, I want to hear Kurt Herbstreet not... Three, six mafia yelling at me the whole time. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. It's good. I was trying to think if there's any other band. I'm a I really like Queen. I just don't know if it's like sports. If I can do it. We will rock you.
1: Yeah. Uh, Queen probably works. But I think that there are like three songs where you're going to be like, ah,
2: I thought you would. the Foo fighters. I should answer the question. It would be Black Sabbath. Oh, damn. By far. I've been on a really big Black Sabbath kick for like five months now. Quarantine band. Black Sabbath. Great quarantine band.
0: Really is. Get all your frustration out. Corn would be up there for me. Corn would be a good one. Yeah.
1: I feel like it has to be that genre of music, too. It like has you need to be. something
0: pretty heavy for football. Yeah, you can't go with... I mean, if you want to go back in the day, ACDC would be a good one but I'd probably so, play Thunderstruck like, over and over again but when Connor was
1: talking about like making warmups for other sports and stuff I got so sick of ACDC after Varsity Blues because everybody wanted it on every fucking warmup that Hell's we ever Bells. did yes it's like or we'd All be the on time. the way to games and where we play where we're at you have to travel pretty far to get to some of these games and guys would be like, hey, coach, can we put on ACDC on the bus if no one talks? And the coaches were always cool with that. So I've heard so much ACDC over the years that I like them. I respect them. Great band. I need to go a couple more years without hearing them until it's I can played out. Yeah, get back to the
0: ACDC thing. I, I respect that. I, I kind of I get that way with bands. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of over it. Uh, Garth Brooks is my one. Like every bar in Joplin, Missouri overplays Garth Brooks. So it's like, okay, I'm good. We know you have friends in low places. Let's move on. All right, last question, and then we're going to let you guys go for the weekend. Also from our friend RB, who do you guys think is the most overrated and underrated NFL team for this upcoming season on paper? So we are going to get to this with these uh, season previews. Um, overrated, I think, is the 49ers. And we actually got a one-star review the other day somebody was like, Niners Chiefs podcast. I'm a Niners fan. I don't like the team that they've built. So, if we talk about the two teams that were just in the Super Bowl, I'm yeah. sorry. That's kind of what we have to do. We're going to talk. I was going to say, I don't, I don't like, get that. Like, I, we love your guys' reviews. We love your feedback. It some of like, them are just stupid. <laughs> it'd be like, hey, you guys talk about Alabama and LSU too much. Yeah,
1: we're a draft podcast. Like, what? Right. So, well, I remember a couple of years ago, people were pissed off because we talked about Mahomes too much. And that was during his MVP season where he was like, doing things that we'd never seen before. Sorry, I like the Chiefs, I'll be hard on them, but this is a team that was in the Super Bowl and has a very good chance to go back. I feel like we have to talk about the 49ers, the Chiefs, the Ravens are a team that's going to get mentioned a lot. I mean, and now the Jets have a lot of first round
0: picks. There are just certain teams that are going to come up naturally in conversation. Yeah, I'm sorry the Jacksonville Jaguars don't just naturally come up. You know, like sorry they might this year because they might tank. But uh, so I think the Niners are overrated. I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo believer in any way, shape, or form. I cannot wait for Aaron Rodgers to come to town. Uh, I don't like trading DeForest Buckner for Javon Kinlaw, who had major injury question marks coming out of college, and now your top two receivers are hurt. Debo Samuel's hurt. There's good news there. Jalen Hurd hurt again. Two years he will not have played football and was a project at best coming out. I like Kyle Shanahan a lot. I think he's a good coach, and he'll cover up some of the problems, but I think they're overrated. I I don't even, like people oh, best D-line in football. Nick Bose is really good. Buckner was really good. Armstead's had one good year. D Ford can't stay on the field. And the Washington football team has a really good defensive line
1: as well. Same. I think for me, a team, the Denver Broncos, I don't know how you want to qualify this. They went from being so underrated that now they're overrated. So, they kind of fall in both categories for me. Like, everybody was talking about Drew Locke and, like, oh, yeah. And then it snowballed into this thing that now everyone is talking about Drew Locke. So, they've gone full circle for me. They were an underrated team, but now I think they're a little bit overrated. I I still think the AFC West is going to be a tough division to win and to compete in. And and then the Arizona Cardinals are another team that I feel like people were starting to get on board with. The, The NFC West, and again, we're talking about Chiefs, Niners. So, sorry. They're really good teams in those divisions. I think it's going to be hard for the Cardinals to surpass the 49ers and the Seahawks. And oh, by the way, the Rams were just in a Super Bowl not that long ago. So I do think the Cardinals are a good team, uh, but I don't know that they're ready to make noise in the NFC West yet.
2: When I did our, the full season predictor, not to give away anything here, but whatever, the NFC West was the only team where I had no team win less than seven games. Yep, s- same. The only team. The only team I had Arizona in last place at seven and nine, which is a huge step forward for them. Uh, Most, I think the Steelers are being really underrated right now. That was going to be my answer. (laughs) Damn it, that (laughs) was my answer. answer. I don't think people realize how elite that defense was and is, Uh and if Big Ben comes back at 70% of what he was, they win 11 games in their sleep this year.
0: They went 8 and 8 last year with a negative 14 point differential. Let me tell you that will not happen this year. Yeah, that point differential will t- terrible. be terrible. It'll I'll, be plus play. 200.
1: Terrible play. Yeah, I was thinking about them too. I mentioned the other teams, but I do think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a very tough team to beat with Big Ben back. All the weapons that they have at receiver, Mika oh. Fitzpatrick on that defense with TJ Watt, like
0: I really think Pittsburgh's going to be a good team. I like the overrated's better. Here's one more before we get off here. I think the Colts are being overrated. I, and I talk about this in the office all the time and give mellow shit about it. I don't think Phillip Rivers is any good. And so everybody looks he at the looks Colts. bad last year. And they're like, that's the best offensive line of football. It might be. I think Baltimore's got a pretty good say in that as well. I, I don't like the receivers. And adding DeForest Buckner, that's going to help. That's secondary. Still not very good. I think the Colts are being overrated. Sorry, Dan Burns. I, and I, just, I think the Colts
1: are who they are. I think maybe they make noise in the AFC South. Uh, The Texans are still going to be really good. The Titans are going to be good again. But I do think they can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars a couple times. And then (laughs) I I do think that Phillip Rivers is still going to be good enough. I don't think that he's a quarterback this late in his career that can be the guy for you, but I think he's going to come in and kind of manage an offense, get the ball into some hands of some really good receivers, and and manage. He's not going to lead your team. He's not going to be that old gunslinger, but I do think he can manage this offense.
0: Yeah. Man, it's going to be fun. Tom Brady's in Tampa, Phil's in Indy, Cam Newton's a Patriot. It's uh, I'm so glad that we get football and that it's it's here, and we're going to keep breaking it down. You guys have a great weekend. We'll be back Tuesday morning with a whole lot more for you. For Mello and Connor, this is Matt. We'll talk to you guys soon.